And I'm Rebecca, and we are Mama Bear Apologetics. Apologetics. We're just two gals talking about life's big questions from a biblical worldview. Because when it comes to the battle of ideas, we need to be able to say, mess with my kids and I will demolish your arguments. You mess, I demolish. Got it? Capiche? (laughs) (laughs) Rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Welcome to another episode of Mama Bear Apologetics. I'm Hillary. I'm Rebecca. And so today we're going to be talking about something that was kind of birthed from a Twitter, I don't know what, to, I don't want to call it a Twitter battle because it wasn't really a battle. I kind of stepped out and actually we had some pretty awesome. It was a troll attack. It was a troll attack, yeah. <laughs> we actually had some really cool papa bears come in and I stepped back because they just started going after this guy and I was like, I don't even have to say anything. <laughs> Yay, papa bears. Yay, we have papa bears. <laughs> um, so the, the, the title for today's podcast is How Educated Do You Have to Be to Identify Nonsense? <laughs> It's very Chestertonian of you. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it started out with this original quote that I posted from John Lennox. So John Lennox is a mathematician. Is he at Cambridge or Oxford? He's at Oxford. He's mm-hmm. at Oxford. So he's an Oxford professor of mathematics, one of the most brilliant guys um, out there. But one of his one of his brilliances, brilliances, is that a word? Brilliancies? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> one of the things that makes him so awesome is how much common sense he has, and yeah. he doesn't mince words, and he doesn't, I don't know, he can he can speak to the everyday man, and he can say something that is just so obvious, but for some reason, coming from a PhD mathematician, it just sounds more more brilliant. Because, yes, and it, it works, works right into our topic today, doesn't it? Well, in some ways, I feel like sometimes it seems like certain levels of education are trying to educate you out of common sense, and so when you see, when you hear someone who has gone through that whole rigmarole and who has gone through all the hoops and jumps and stuff like that, and then they still come back to common sense, there's something refreshing about that. Yes, there is. Absolutely. And he has such a kind demeanor Yes, his, his, his delivery. I know. I wish I wish he would adopt me as his granddaughter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you can be my grandpa. Well, you know who his niece is? Who? The singers that used to sing with Stuart Townend that they write, the Getty, the, the Gettys, the... I don't know them. They they write Christian music. They're Irish. A wife, husband, and wife. Huh. Okay. Um, and they they okay. I can't look <laughs> it up. But anyway, Our internet's broken, so we can't look it up. So anyway, here's the quote that had originally I had originally posted, and actually I heard him um, give a talk several years ago at a Rosho Christie event where he said something along the same lines, and I remember just being like, yes, you know, when he said it the first time. So this is what John Lennox says. What Stephen Hawking says in his book, The Grand Design, is the universe exists because it needed to exist, and because it needed to exist, it therefore created itself. (laughs) Because it needed to do it. It needed to do it, of course. His conclusion merely restates his premise, which means his argument is circular. Nonsense is nonsense, even when spoken by famous scientists. And that statement is nonsense. Maybe... It's just bad use of the English language and logic. <laughs> Maybe I, yeah. he meant something else. But. Well, coming from, so, okay, so what happened after this is there was a guy on Twitter that just kind of said, well, why do I get the feeling you have no idea what you're talking about? And I think, I honestly think it's because we have the name Mama Bear Apologetics. He saw the name Mom in there mm-hmm. and he immediately thought just these uh, dopey little housewives that have no idea what they're doing, no idea what they're talking about. They just, you know, throw stuff out there. So I have to admit, my 
feathers got a little ruffled. <laughs> you went into mama bear mode. I did go into mama bear mode. So I I had to phrase this several times to be able to get all of our... Don't mess with our housewives. <laughs> yes. So I asked him which part of our biochem, master's in biology, master's in engineering, protein crystallography research, and NASA job do you feel disqualifies us? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, when you, when you put our credentials side by side between you, me, and Catherine, you know what? That's nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> um, Unless you have really bad allergies. Okay. <laughs> and, then, and then you sneeze at everything. Um, so... You know, it's like he was obviously assuming that we had no idea what we were talking about when it came to scientific things. So it's not like I was wanting to just like, you know, then somebody else later on criticized me for flaunting our STEM degrees. So I'm like, okay, if we don't have the STEM degrees, we're going to get criticized for not knowing what we're talking about. And if we state our STEM degrees, then we're going to get accused for flaunting our STEM degrees. You're darned if you do and you're darned if you don't. You're just plain darned. That's right. We're just darned. So whatever we do, it's going to be wrong. So I, at this time, I just erred on the side of, you know what? We do know what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, he was able to come back with to me and tell me exactly what it was that uh, he found was still lacking in our credentials. And he says that it was the part that nowhere deals with theoretical physics or philosophy. Yes, but we do understand language <laughs> and we do understand logic. And that was a very nonsensical statement from Hawking. And, so. I, and I think it's very interesting that he would bring up philosophy, saying that the fact that we don't know philosophy, considering that the person whom he's defending, Stephen Hawking, has been known to say that philosophy is dead. If you exist and you're a human being, you do philosophy, right? Exactly. <laughs> Everyone. What was, what was that quote that you got? Okay. Of course, it's a Chesterton quote. Yes. Um, Chesterton wrote, Philosophy is not the concern of those who pass through divinity and greats, but of those who pass through birth and death. Nearly all the more awful and abstruse statements can be put into words of one syllable from a child is born to a soul is damned. If the ordinary man may not discuss existence, why should he be asked to conduct it? <laughs> I like that last sentence. If the ordinary man may not discuss existence, why should he be, he be asked to conduct it? So we are all living, and we are all existing, you know, what is it? Ergo cognito sum, I think, mm-hmm. therefore I am. That's something that it doesn't matter what level of education. If you're existing, then you have some some means of Experiential understanding. Experiential knowledge of it, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... Just this idea that we want to ask, how educated must uh, do you have to be in order to identify nonsense? So we want to talk about a couple of misconceptions regarding what you have to have in order to have an intelligent statement about something. Mm-hmm. And then also, how would you respond? You know, as, as moms, where you know, some of the moms out there, maybe they don't have uh, advanced degrees. Some of them may not have, a, have bachelor's degrees, but there yes. are certain things that we are endowed with just the fact that god has given us rational faculties and a rational mind there are things that we are endowed with that it doesn't matter what kind of um <laughs> education we have there are certain things we have been gifted with you know just by being a rational being that unless we know how to tap into those things we're just going to hear what these people say they're going to dismiss us and we're going to think that they have a point and they don't because mm-hmm. i think that we are much more capable than we give ourselves credit for, and mm-hmm. society will constantly try to be telling us that we're not. Um, so the first, for the, the first misconception we're gonna talk about is that you have to be an expert to have an opinion. And I actually, and I'm gonna change that word opinion to an intelligent statement about something. Yes. That you have to be an expert in order to have an intelligent statement. Yes, yes, so we see this a lot today, where in order to shut down 
um, a discussion mm -hmm. of some hot topic, heated topic, someone says, well, you do not know what it's like to be a woman, or <laughs> you don't know what it's like to be um, this or that. And so or you're you, not a theoretical physicist, so you yeah. can't identify an nonsensical statement. Yeah, you're not a physicist, so you can't have any make any judgment on what this theoretical physicist is saying. And that's a real extreme statement. Yes, there's some things that Stephen Hawking will say that I honestly don't I won't be able to judge because I don't know the math. Yeah, absolutely. But there are other things like a statement like that John Lennox read, you know, read and was analyzing that I can challenge Hawking on and say maybe Hawking really was trying to say something else and his command of the English language and logic is not very good. <laughs> or and so I can press him to explain himself further or maybe it didn't have anything to begin with. And when we get into the way, specifically what Hawking was talking about, this idea of the universe creating itself mm -hmm. is something that defies logic. Yeah. <laughs> and so we should press them on that. Yeah. You know? And one person actually did point out, they say, well, isn't this the same thing as saying that God is a necessary being? So when we say the phrase necessary being, we mean that something, if it's necessary, it means that it must exist. Mm -hmm. And so in the statement that Hawking is making, he is saying that the universe is a necessary being, meaning the universe must exist. And because it must exist, it'll create itself from nothing. Now, Christians would say that God is a necessary being, meaning it's basically impossible for God not to exist. And someone was pointing out, well, isn't this the same thing as saying that God is a necessary being? This kind of brings us back to um, a really basic tenet that I think everybody needs to grapple with at some mm -hmm. point. And that is that no matter what philosophy, no matter what worldview, no matter what religion and or non-religion you mm -hmm. come from, everybody has something that has to, that they, everybody has a necessary being that they have faith in yeah. uh, to say that this is something that existed, that's self-existent, mm -hmm. um, that's, you know, eternal, uncaused, uncaused mm -hmm. and is capable of creating. Because as we noticed what Hawking said, that the universe can and will create itself from nothing. So we have this something that exists beforehand that created out of nothing. So we can either have impersonal natural causes um, that are blind and an impersonal, I can't remember if I said impersonal, we can mm -hmm. either have that being the creator of everything or mm. we can posit something that is personal, creative, cognizant, you know, mm -hmm. cognizant, um, you know, like God and saying that is the author of all things. Either way, you have to have faith that there was something that existed beforehand that's capable of creating. I would say that the Christian God, the God is um, detailed in scripture, is a more logical cause. And it fits more the data it fits of the, the universe that yeah. we have, all the data. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So, but that's just something that whenever people act like, oh, well, you have faith in God, that's just so irrational. You need to push them on where they think everything came from because I guarantee you eventually you will get back to something that they cannot prove that has to existed beforehand. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is capable of creating no matter who it is. They will all get back to something. So that's one tactic. And one thing that Hawking and, and others like um, Lawrence Krauss are doing here that we might want to mention in this particular case is that they are positing that something came from nothing. Yeah. And and But when you get down to brass tacks with them, from what I understand through apologists like William Lane Craig and, and other scientists that criticize them, say they say, well, they're not really talking about nothing. Yeah. They're actually talking about something. It's called like a quantum vacuum or, or something like that. So they're, they're doing linguistic 
gymnastics to try semantic things to try to get around yeah well i mean it, it kind of goes back to the equivocation fallacy when i say nothing what i'm really meaning is a quantum vacuum and gravity yeah. instead of nothing because i think the the first talk that i heard by uh by lennox when i heard him say this quote the first time mm -hmm. was he was also talking about another quote by stephen hawking where i think uh hawking also says that because a law like gravity exists yes the I've universe heard that. can and will create itself from nothing well, I'm sorry, but gravity is something. And just mm -hmm. the definition of gravity, I have difficulty with him thinking, because gravity, if you look at its basic definition, requires two bodies and a, an a affinity or a mm -hmm. pull between mm -hmm. them. So it's like you can't even have gravity. And we don't really even understand gravity. We I mean, don't. it is a mystery. <laughs> it is. It's one of those things that... We, like, can, we can assign a mathematical... Just because mm -hmm. mathematically we can describe something does not mean we understand it. Actually... It almost makes it less concrete and less real to put numbers to it yeah. in a way. So we put numbers to it because we can't we can't see it, we can't touch it, we can't taste it, we can't smell it, we can't you know whatever the all the five senses. We can't do any of that for gravity, but we can mm -hmm. mathematically describe it. We can see the eff its effects. Its effects. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. We can see the effects of gravity, but we still don't know what gravity is or why things. Pull. I mean, we, we can we can understand it in terms of maybe centrifugal force. That kind of makes a little bit more sense. But um, but when it comes to just base gravity, yeah, we, we don't understand it. But anyway, I, I think... And there's different theories out there on what it is, but it's still... The experts don't always agree. <laughs> yeah. But just the fact that we can talk about it tells us that it's not nothing. So again, the equivocation fallacy, that's when someone uses the same word in two different senses. So when we say nothing, and when most people say nothing, they're saying the absence of anything. <laughs> However, apparently when Hawking says nothing, he can, he can also mean, well, by nothing I mean gravity and uh, what do you keep calling it? The vacuum. The quantum vacuum. The quantum vacuum. Mm -hmm. Not They may call it something different now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, not my area of expertise. We should get not started. mine either. <laughs> I, think, um, I think Catherine's met another uh, NASA girl who just works one floor up from where she used to work. Yes, I've met her too. On Yeah, yeah. Yep, so uh, we, we should ask her. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. She's a, she's a theoretical physicist, right? Is she? Okay, so maybe we should add her on. So that way when that guy's like, you don't have any theoretical physicists, we could be like, boom, just boom. added one. <laughs> Oh, there she is. Oh, there she is. She, she came, guess what? She came out of nothing. Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, so this misconception that you have to be an expert to have an educated statement or to have an intelligent statement on something. So we see this in, you know, like the guy on Twitter. We see this um, as Rebecca started talking about it in feminism and abortion, the idea you can't have an opinion if you're not a woman. So being a woman gives me expert opinion on and, being a woman. And the reason why this is so effective to shutting down conversation is because it is a partial truth. There is truth yeah. in that statement. Mm -hmm. There is a limit to my empathy. So yes, I don't know completely, but I'm going to hear you out and hear your 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 experience on this and try to let that inform my judgment or my statement yeah. but that doesn't mean that I can't make a judgment or a statement yeah automatically you know we see this with the abortion argument as well and especially since my husband John is very very active in the pro-life um, yeah. movement and he gets so, that a lot doesn't he? oh he gets that so much and you don't have any skin in the game yeah exactly yeah. and so but uh, one of the things that I've heard people do, there's there's a, a disanalogy that I've heard people make that I would like to say, okay, this is a disanalogy, but I think I understand what they're going for. 
and there's actually a better analogy that you can make for this, and that's the idea of um, there are so many similarities between abortion and slavery. Mm. Um, the arguments that are used for abortion, well, it's not really a person. Slavery said, yeah, but they're three fifths of a person, or um, this would really mess with our economics. You know, the arguments for slavery said, oh, this would really mess with our economics. It's just you go point by point. And there's a lot of the same arguments that are going on. So a lot of people will try to use this analogy of, well, you don't own a slave, so you, you don't have a right to talk about a slave. And that's actually a disanalogy. The purpose of saying you're not a woman, so you can't have an opinion on abortion is because basically this isn't going to affect you. Mm-hmm. I would say if we were going to think of a better analogy if, to say as someone, you don't own a plantation, therefore you can't have an opinion. Because someone who had a plantation would obviously probably you know, doing away with slavery would affect them more. But mm-hmm. just the fact that it affects them more does not mean that, that it's valid. That it's valid yeah. or that it's any less right Slavery or wrong. still is evil. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, slavery is still evil. It is wrong to own another human being and to treat, uh, to treat them the way that, you know, we know that slaves were treated. Yeah. It's like that is itself wrong and you don't have to be affected by it in order to identify that it's wrong. And ultimately, I say we are affected. Mm-hmm. I think society is affected in yeah. much, maybe not more in more indirect ways, but it is affected. Yeah, I would yeah. just say uh, we've become callous, and our consciences have become seared. And yeah. like um, I think Clay Jones was talking about when he gives his talk on the problem of evil, or not the problem of evil. It's his talk is technically why does God allow evil? Which, by the way, I just got finished reading that book, and I highly, highly recommend oh, it. Good, it is excellent. I've got that. That's his newest, right? Mm-hmm. His latest. Okay, yeah, I got to that, that sucker all marked up. Good cool. stuff. We need to we need to do a podcast on oh, it. Oh, we absolutely do because I think it's probably it, it's the only theodicy that's ever been able to make me okay with the problem of evil oh wow yeah i'm not surprised though i i liked what i've heard from him yep so just the, the idea of having an expert opinion on things um people are starting to use degrees like uh educational degrees as like this is the only way that you're allowed to speak on anything mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of dangerous and actually i think it's even worse today i just thought of this because you know we have someone say well you know you you're not an expert in science, so you can't criticize anything that Bill Nye says. Well, I can say, well, Bill Nye is not speaking science. He's actually speaking philosophy. But most scientists today are really poorly trained in the sci- in the philosophy. Yes. Actually, and in fact, it's not required. I had a course in philosophy for my degree in biochemistry only because I took it as an elective. Um, it is not required. And so I will say some of the worst philosophers are scientists today yeah I have seen that and that's why you have you know stuff like you know Hawking's saying some of the things that he's saying but he's also out of the other side of his mouth saying philosophy is dead and as John Lennox pointed out this is the kind of philosophy you get from someone who says that philosophy is dead and you can spot I think one thing we're gonna talk about is we can all be experts in fallacies and fallacious arguments yes we can uh, and we will get to that when we talk about how do we respond when uh, when someone is acting like you are not allowed to either have, I don't like calling it opinions because sometimes it is opinion, but mm-hmm. sometimes I think it's just intelligent statements or mm-hmm. educated statements. So it can be any one of those. So how do we respond when people try to shut us up by using some of these? But we'll get that to that It's a, a power bit. play, I it's think. It's a power play, mm-hmm. yeah. So, the, uh, so our first misconception is you have to be an expert to have an educated statement, to have an intelligent statement, or to have an opinion. 
Um, our second misconception is all experts agree. <laughs> yeah. So this is one of the funny things is that they'll say, well, you're not an expert and my expert says this. Okay, well, just ask them, are there other experts who say otherwise? See if they're educated in what the other experts have to say. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca, What are the critiques of this expert's opinion on this? Yeah, what are some expert critiques? Because anytime you have something that's controversial, I guarantee you, you're going to have some expert critiques out there. So, And the, a lot of times I found the minute you can bring up another es- a- expert that disagrees, then they start attacking that expert's credentials. Yes. I mean, will. that is, especially when you're dealing with the Christian community, like you're bringing up a Christian that has the same credentials, uh-huh. but they all of a sudden, just because they have a Christian point of view, then they're suspect. Uh-huh. But anyway, I just will, I will warn people on that because that happens a lot. I would say when, as soon as you see that for the mama bears out there, that is what is called the ad hominem fallacy. Ad hominem means to the man meaning they're critiquing the man and not the idea. The second that you hear someone doing the ad hominem fallacy, where they're critiquing the person instead of the idea, that means that basically that's telling. If the other person has nothing to say about the idea, it's like allow them to say their piece, why they don't think this person is good, you know, a, a credible source because of, you know. You don't need to defend the person. You don't need to don't defend the person. Don't jump into that rabbit trail with them. In fact, yeah. you can say, okay. Just for argument's sake, you know, what if I were to agree that all those things are true? Now, let's talk about... Look at the argument. Let's look at the argument again. So even if all those things are true, how does that affect the argument? What do you think of the argument? So let them say their piece. Don't try to interrupt them while they're going off on some rant about this person because likely you're not going to dissuade them from whatever opinion they have of this person. Just go ahead and grant it. And a lot of the times what you'll find is the ad hominem is coming because they aren't able to actually engage the argument. Yeah, they're not able to engage the argument. Always bring it back to the argument or the idea. And that's why on Mama Bear, we say all the time, yeah, we demolish ideas. We do not demolish people. So when Mm -hmm. someone starts going down the demolish person route, stop, kind of take a deep breath, let them say what they're going to say, and then Mm -hmm. just bring them back to the topic at hand. What about the idea? Because that's really what's And if you can't, then that's maybe a good sign that they're not really interested in engaging with you in a fair way. Yeah. yeah. If they're really not in, interested in engaging in the idea and they're only interested in engaging in the person, that either means that they really don't know what they're talking about mm-hmm. or they're not able to talk about it rationally. Because, again... They may be so upset about something. They may yeah. be so upset. Again, I can't remember if we've discussed this before, but the idea of always paying attention to if your per- the person you're talking to, if they've gone into the fight-or-flight mode. Mm. Um, oh, that's good. Mm. I address this. If you go back, and we'll, we'll have a link to this in the podcast notes, it was the article that I wrote on the uh, late-term abortion oh. post that was mm-hmm. making the rounds on Facebook. And so one of the... Points that I talked about in there is watching when a person goes into fight or flight, basically when they get really, really emotional. Because what that does is it turns on the amygdala, which is that emotion receptor Mm -hmm. receptor in your brain. It it perceives if you're in danger. You don't have to actually be in danger. It's if the brain perceives danger. Mm -hmm. Um, A person will go into fight or flight. It shuts down the prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal Mm -hmm. cortex is where you have rational thought that takes place. And And there's nothing wrong with emotion per se, it's, it's when it gets out of hand. So it, there's a key to being able to really see where it's gone beyond and the reasoning faculty is not engaged. It's when yeah. it gets mistaken for a reason that that's the problem. Yeah, because it's, it's okay for certain things to make us upset. I don't want to dismiss emotion altogether. No. Because I, we're not robots, and when we argue like robots, that can be very hurtful too. We can be very desensitized. We can be very... 
um, um, insensitive. Yes. So we want to engage the emotions, but in a calm and rational way where, like you said, there is a difference between just when someone is hit into a fight or flight mode. I mean, I know I've had it. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's, there's the, you know, when I'm upset, there's no, Lee knows there's no reason with me. <laughs> He's like, okay, just let her. Sometimes you got to just let it take its course. And a lot of times with John, it like, I'll at least have some inkling of reason to just tell him, don't try to reason with me right now. Yeah. I am really upset. I'm not going to be able to do it. So just let me get over this. I just need time. Yeah, and take so. a breath. And yeah, if you're dealing with someone like that, sometimes that's what you have to step back yep. from it. Mm-hmm. So also on the idea that all experts agree, because obviously this is a misconception, all experts do not agree, especially if people are having a debate, there's likely at least some expert out there who who disagrees. (laughs) Um, But what you might sometimes have is another fallacy called the no true Scotsman fallacy, where as soon as you Mm -hmm. say, well, my expert here says X, Y, Z. I'm a true Scotsman, by the way. (laughs) I mean, I'm very proud of my Scottish heritage. Anyway, I'm sorry. Whatever. My grandfather was buried in the family plaid, so we have a family plaid, apparently. Oh, you did? Well, yes, Morgan. Actually, his was Calhoun. Calhoun! Calhoun! Um, <laughs> but, um, so the no true Scotsman fallacy is basically saying, well, they're not a real, fill in the blank, they're not a real Scotsman, or in this case, if we were talking science, well, they're not a real scientist, well, they're not a real, you know, fill in the blank, they're not a real theologian, all these different things. It's like, if anybody disagrees with this opinion or this statement that I've brought forth and someone gives me an expert that disagrees, well, I'm going to find a reason why they're not a real expert. Mm-hmm. And so just be expecting that. And so, if- and again, you try to bring it back, if that's the case, to the argument and yeah. not the person, because mm-hmm. that is a form of ad hominem, you could say. It's, yep. it's you know, it's it's uh, attacking their credentials. Yeah, and it, also I would just, I think sometimes, I don't want to call it plain dumb, but it's kind of staying very calm and say, oh, oh, really, they're not real? Oh, what is it about them that makes them not real? And what is it about this argument that's wrong? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that you can tell by, you know, that they're obviously not, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, so explain to me. So, it sounds reasonable. Yeah, it sounds know? very reasonable to me. Can you explain to me why they're not a real scientist. You know, they, they have a PhD in molecular biology. How are they not a real scientist? They have a PhD in molecular biology from Harvard. How are they not a real scientist? Well, because they believe in God and they believe in creation ex nihilo, then they obviously can't be a real scientist. Well, you know, it gets into things like that. It's, well, Rebecca, that sounds like you're importing philosophy into science. Oh, that's right. <laughs> no, that can't be. Philosophy is dead. Oh, yes. <laughs> Except mine. Except yours. That's right. All My philosophy has killed all the others. That's right. Well, that's kind of what they're trying to do. Actually, that's kind of funny is that leads me to my so our third misconception so our first one is that you have to be an expert to have an opinion intelligent statement educated statement the second misconception is all experts agree because most most times they're not all experts agree or else we wouldn't be having this debate in the first place and the third misconception is philosophy is dead or it's unimportant so this this statement itself is kind of ridiculous because even the statement itself, philosophy is dead, is a philosophical statement. There is no way to empirically prove that philosophy is <laughs> oh, dead. Oh, no, no. You go to, in his lab, he has some mathematical formula that is for philosophy, the, the philosophy function, and it goes to zero. <laughs> She's joking, by the way. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is not true. There is no mathematical proof that philosophy well, is dead. Well, his philosophy function does. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) so just if someone tries to say that philosophy is not important, 
just ask them, is that your philosophy? That mm-hmm. philosophy is unimportant because it's one of those things where I mean this there are so many self-refuting statements when it comes to when people try to dismiss philosophy that if you just <laughs> keep calling them on their self-refuting statements well that alone will send them into fight or flight but it usually it'll be because they realize they have no ground to stand on it's, and the best way to do that is is to ask questions yes and not because you don't want to attack people no because in a way when someone is already being dismissive like that, it might be because they're insecure. Yeah. And so they already, they know that they're on, you know, shaky ground. And so if you start just attacking them, they're going to, it's going to be worse. And then they're just going to walk away and think Christians are hateful. Yeah. So those mama bears are just eat me alive. Because <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to do that. No. And I, I get the picture of someone who is sitting on a tree branch and they're sawing off the tree branch that they're sitting on. Yeah. And that that's essentially a lot of times what naturalism does because naturalism says that, you know, there is no right and wrong. We're just products of, of chemical reactions that brought us through the process of survival to where we are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, really? Is that the conclusion that your brain mm-hmm. has come to? <laughs> your brain that is a process of chemical reactions through process of survival has come upon this truth? So why is it true? <laughs> yeah, why is it true? How do I know that's not just survival? Maybe the new survival is saying that that's not true. Um, anyway, lots and lots of self-refuting statements when people think that philosophy is dead. And this is also brings us so... Those were our three misconceptions, but how do we respond to this? Because we do need to respond when people want to either try to silence us or act like we don't know what we're talking about or that we can't know what we're talking about. I think we can stand confidently uh, just with the Imago Dei, just the idea of we are created in the image of God Mm -hmm. um, and that he has endowed us with rational faculties that need to be engaged. And so the way that we respond to these kind of ways of people trying to silence us is the the number one thing, and I would say this hands mm-hmm. down, the number one thing you can do is to know your logical fallacies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I took the logic class through Biola with uh, Dr. Ken Samples and absolutely... Oh, he taught that at Yeah, Biola. he did. I didn't realize that. He was okay. so sweet. In fact, um, I didn't think I was going to get to meet him. And then when we did the, um, the residency, I, I realized he was going to be speaking one night. And so I came up and he gave me a big old hug. Oh, yeah. And he said, you let me know what you mama bears if y'all never need he anything. He is a big supporter. He's yeah. a very big supporter. But um, he has stories of students that have come to him in the past saying, how empowered they feel by knowing their logical fallacies Mm -hmm. that basically sometimes I think there's a a sense that sometimes um people can be listening to what someone's saying and they're they they're like there's something wrong they intuit they intuit Mm -hmm. that there's Mm -hmm. something wrong with what this person's saying but they don't know these fallacies enough to be able to pick it apart mm-hmm. like say for example or have the confidence to, yeah or have the confidence they're just intimidated and mm-hmm. so he has had students come to him and say after your class i feel empowered in yeah. a way that i haven't in any of my other classes so um, I'm going to provide on the website, uh, Ken Samples has a bunch of podcasts that actually go through the different logical fallacies. He's got that on the reasons to believe. There's like a 12-part series mm-hmm. on reasons to believe. And then there's also some websites, um, uh, the church, his home church, where he's done, I think it's called the Renaissance Christian series. Okay. Right. Excuse me, where he goes through a lot of these. And so I'm just going to recommend both of these. John and I were driving to Texas um, I don't know, several months ago, and so I just kind of sent Ken a, a Facebook message, and we're like, we're making it Ken Samples Day, because we just went and listened to, like, 
all his logical fallacies podcast. Oh, how wonderful. We can't do that when we drive places and drive the cute girls crazy. Yeah, they would probably go crazy but when you got two nerds. You have to like, listen to My Little Pony. <laughs> we go crazy. Yeah, John and I can nerd fest it out in the car, so we had a good time. And I'll other have people have been like, oh, you're so lucky to have a husband that would let you do that. I'm I like, oh, it. he enjoys it. Yeah, you uh, both love it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we will provide a link for that. So if you want to have your own NerdFest day, you can have your own Ken Samples NerdFest day. It'll be awesome. Um, so <laughs> I just want to say that that's, that's one way to respond. And, and there's a way to graciously point out logical fallacies. You don't have to yell at them and be like, that's a red herring or, you know, <laughs> that's an appeal to unqualified authority next. You know, Ayo, in all caps, please don't do that. <laughs> that's so mean. Yes. Let's... And it's so dismissive. It's, it's re- we, it's returning dismissiveness for dismissiveness. When you embarrass someone into silence, you don't persuade them to your no. side. You basically make hurt it... Them. You hurt them to where they stew, to where they're ready to explode on the next person. Yeah. And the next person has no and idea. And I've seen that, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry. I've, yeah. I've seen that, too. Yeah. That is not an uncommon thing. So that that's one of the one ways to respond. If there... It's like... Uh, we've got these podcasts by Ken Samples. We got the stuff on Reasons to Believe. There's several books out there. Um, I want to find, I might put on the podcast notes later at some point, if I can find a really good basic book on logical fallacies mm. that I think uh, will be... Maybe you need to write it. <laughs> with all my spare time. Um, I really actually would love to do that one day. That Maybe would be... we could write it together. Maybe we could With do my that. spare time. <laughs> okay. Maybe your spare time, but mine will finally be like a real spare time. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Your <laughs> spare time plus Rebecca's spare time equals actual spare time. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe we should do that. The Mama Bear's Guide to Logical Fallacies. Yeah. So coming in 2024. <laughs> yeah. For your baby bears. For your baby bears. So that would be our first way, just to empowering you to respond. The second way would be to the know the difference between objective and subjective truth. This is one that's very, very, uh, I don't want to say intuitive. It's, it's very obvious to me, but I hadn't really thought about writing more on it until I was recently sent um, Awana curriculum. So mm-hmm. were, were you involved with Awana when you were young? No, but my girls were okay. for a while at a church we went to. So yeah. I was involved with Awana. So I got an email or Mama Bear got an email not too long ago from um, the president, I think, I think he's the president of Awana Youth Ministries. And his <laughs> email started out, hi, I'm president of Awana Youth Ministries. And in parentheses, yes, Awana has youth ministries, um, which I think they qualify youth would be like sixth grade, sixth to 12th grade, which mm. usually Awana stops at fifth grade. So this is a new direction that they're taking, and they have an apologetics curriculum. And so they were wanting to get the Mama Bear's opinion on that. And I said, well, you know, he sent me like one sample, one sample chapter. And I was like, that's great. I think this sample chapter looks good, but I I can't really give an opinion on something until I see the whole thing. I've had to eat my words before. Yeah. And so he was gracious, and he just sent us the, the leader's guide. So I've been looking over it. And it's really good, and it has videos that go with, if y'all hear the dogs in the background, I apologize. It's Gilligan. That's Gilligan, yes. He's a cutie. Um, so, but it, the they have videos both for the leader and for the students. So in the leader's guide, it was just kind of talking about the difference between objective and subjective truth, how objective truth is completely depends on an object that is outside of your own mind. So mm-hmm. to say something like, right now I have a gray shirt on that has nothing to do with my perception. Truth is that which corresponds to reality. Mm -hmm. And whether or not my shirt is gray is either a true statement or a false statement because basically it depends on the wavelength of light Mm -hmm. that you've got going on. So a subjective statement would be completely dependent on the person, what's going on in my mind. So I might say, 
cookies and cream ice cream is the best ice cream, but mm-hmm. that's not really... It's wrong. That's a wrong way to say it. I well, can... no, it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now it's time to go. Let's fight this Coffee, one Coffee, ice cream. Coffee? Oh, yeah. Ew. Coffee with Jamocha. Um, almond fudge. Anyway, if so. I had to pick between coffee ice cream and no ice cream, I would pick no ice cream. <laughs> so yeah, you're wrong. Okay. Um, so anyway, so that would probably be a. You fun. don't know my experience though. <laughs> you cannot say. And anyway. that's true. And that's why neither of us can say that this ice cream or the other is the best ice cream. We can only say that it's my favorite ice cream because that is that is true. That cookies and cookies and cream ice cream is my favorite. I can ice use cream. the no true Scotsman on you then. <laughs> You're not. A can true. I use the ad hominem? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you can technically use whatever you like. People that don't like coffee ice cream. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> <sighs> yes. So, but just to say, so that would be a, a subjective truth. Now, one of the things that um, I think in the some of the videos that they have for for this curriculum mm-hmm. is they start going through different statements and have these students identify, is this a subjective That's truth? That's wonderful. Yes, or an objective truth. And so um, and, until you get down to the place where the, the idea of Jesus was a real person. Mm-hmm. Now, is this a subjective truth or an objective truth? Mm-hmm. Does, it, it, does my personal opinion about your existence determine whether or not you exist, Rebecca? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Although John and I, were, well, I won't go into that. We were reading... I've discovered that Madeline Lee Ingle really kind of only had one good book and the rest. Yeah, you know, we started reading the second, then the third, and it fizzled out. It really quickly. keeps getting but the girls weirder and weirder. love the first one. Oh, love, I love that. It's always been one of my favorites, too. Anyway, they have a scene in, in the Many Waters book where unicorns exist, but only if you believe in them. And if you stop believing in them, then oh, they disappear. I've heard that before, yeah. Then they disappear. But it's kind of interesting. We can use that as, like, that's kind of how people treat Jesus. like, mm-hmm. um, Or that's how people treat babyness. If you want the baby, then the baby exists. If you don't want the baby, then it's just a fetus. Yeah. You can call it a fetus or mm -hmm. you can call it a baby. Yep. And so, but that, that is irrational and that's not the way the world works. It's either a baby or not. It's either a baby or not. And Uh Jesus either existed or he didn't exist. Jesus either died on the cross or he did not die on the cross. Jesus either rose from the dead or he did not rise from the dead. There is no middle ground mm-hmm. on this. This would be another logical principle called the law of excluded middle. Yeah. Where there's certain things where there's there's not really any kind of in-between that mm-hmm. you can have it between is these. is or it isn't. Yeah, either is or isn't. can't really argue with existence. Yeah, exactly. Existence is one of those. It's kind of like if you're going to go into binary language, you know, the zeros and ones that you have in computers, it signifies zeros and ones on and off. There's mm-hmm. no like 0.5 in binary language. Mm-hmm. It's just zeros and ones. Except my iPad seems to want 0.5. I'm sorry. <laughs> she was having iPad problems today. <laughs> Um, so um, just the idea between objective and subjective truth, another um, resource I'd like to recommend that I have read that I think is a pretty easy read is it's called Relativism, excuse me, Feet Firmly Planted in Midair. <laughs> and it was co-written by Francis Beckwith and Greg Kokel. Oh, both. And Francis Beckwith is wonderful. Yes. Mm-hmm. But Greg, most people probably know Greg Kokel. I think we've mentioned him before. But. Yeah. And I, we were just talking about this when we were talking about asking clarifying questions. To give a little plug, we've got um, a new mama bear that's uh, doing a series called Playground Apologetics. Yeah. And so we are actually going through Greg Kokel's tactics questions. Mm-hmm. And so I just published. She's pulling out the Columbo tactic yes, on she moms is. in the playground. Uh-huh. She's going on with her coat and hat. So, I'm sorry. Lots of good stuff going on there. <laughs> yeah, so it's just really a great. quick plug for Playground Apologetics that you can see on Mama Bear Apologetics website on our blog. Um, so our 
Two ways so far to respond to these misconceptions is to know your logical fallacies and know the difference between objective and subjective truth, because a lot of times people will try to phrase things as if they're subjective truth when they're actually objective. And just the, pr- the fact that subjective truth exists mm-hmm. doesn't mean that everything is subjective. Mm-hmm. So it's like some people will, will go the opposite direction. They'll think that there's no subjective truth. It's mm-hmm. all objective truth. And mm-hmm. that's just as silly. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because... And sometimes my, opin- my, my, my opinion about or my view of some objective truth is very subjective. You know, I yeah. mean, it's... It's complicated. The, yeah. the line between the two is often not so clearly seen. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, when it comes to the, the Christian faith, I think one of the beautiful things is it's based in history. It's based yeah. in historical events. And those are things that we can go back and we can, we can what's the word? Uh, we can examine we them. We can test it. And it's not based on, so, it's like most other religions are based on a single person's personal revelation. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, they went into a cave and God revealed X, Y, Z to them, or they looked into a magic top hat and saw words on, were able to trans, you know, all these subjective experiences that, yeah, this technically happened in history, but it was experienced by one person and it was just everybody taking their word for it. When you go with Christianity, you can look back in history and you can look at extra biblical sources. You can look at, um, it's testable. It's testable. And I like, uh, like, uh, we just recently got Lydia McGrew's new book, Undesigned Coincidences. Um, have you been reading it? Um, I started reading that, but uh, then I left for Texas and left it there because I could take one book with me, and I took Clay Jones's book. But yeah, so these are things that you can investigate for yourself, and if you're not sure how to investigate the Christian claims, then I recommend going to someone who is a professional investigator, which would be Jay Warner Wallace and looking at his cold case Christianity. And the McGrews, Lydia and Tim mm-hmm. McGrew, um, they have some excellent evidential, we would call that evidential apologetics, mm-hmm. and they are wonderful at it as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so finally, how do we respond Um Just don't let people intimidate you. A lot of times they're just using intimidation tactics and just deciding to not be intimidated. And um, like we said, I think one of the ways to not be intimidated is to know your logical fallacies, is to know how to spot the difference between objective and subjective truth. And and don't let them say don't let them say nonsense. Don't be bullied. Don't by be, nonsense. <laughs> yes, don't be bullied with nonsense. Um, understand what real tolerance is, because this this new definition of tolerance, where we have to tolerance means saying that everybody's equally right. That itself is nonsense. Tolerance. The definition of tolerance requires disagreement. Yeah. You cannot have tolerance if everybody agrees. So basically, people who say everybody needs to agree, they're actually wanting to do away with tolerance because tolerance requires disagreement mm-hmm. in order to even exist. They're more tyrannical yeah. than the bullies. Yeah. It's really tyrannical. So the, that would be our podcast for today. So just in summary, we're talking about how educated you have to be to identify nonsense. Some misconceptions are that you have to be an expert to have an opinion or an intelligent, um, what do I call it? An intelligent statement Dang or educated mm-hmm. statements. Uh, that's not true. Another fal- uh, another misconception is that all experts agree. That mm-hmm. usually is not the case. And then another misconception is that philosophy is dead or at least unimportant and that there are a lot of circular reasoning and just self-refuting statements that go along with that. If you find yourself dealing with any of these, a way that you can respond, number one, just in preparation, is to know your logical fallacies, which we have links to the Ken Samples lo- uh, lectures. Know the difference between objective and subjective truth and basically don't let people intimidate you. The the Lord has given you a mind. And be willing to, when they are accusing you of trying to be an expert and you 
and it is in an area that you aren't and you are like like I'm commenting on Stephen Hawking's math ability (laughs) then yes you know they're right Mm -hmm. um but that that most of the time we're not they're trying to get us on other things we don't need there are certain things that you that it's better to be an expert and you carry more weight if you're an expert on Mm -hmm. something and that's one of the reasons why we do need to have christians that are in the academic spheres and i will say another thing too i think science is used a lot today as a bully yeah don't be don't be intimidated by the science because one thing important that we have to remember is the science really can explain how things work Mm -hmm. It can put numbers to things. It mm-hmm. can maybe even predict things, but it doesn't necessarily tell us why. It describes. Are it are. does not explain. It ex- it ex- describes, but it doesn't explain. And a lot of people think it explains away the need for explanation, mm-hmm. and that's not true. That is not true. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully this was informative. Hopefully if you have been in the position of any of these misconceptions, you can know how to identify them now and you have some tools for how to respond in the future. So uh, we'll just pray real quick and uh, then we'll be be done for the day. Uh, Lord God, we thank you so much that you have given us rational minds. We thank you, God, that um, you have given us. We are made in the image of God, Lord, with rational faculties and with minds and with emotions and with... Oh, just everything, Lord. We thank you that you've given us intelligence. We thank you that you've created laws for science, Lord, that we are able to explore and we are able to discover. There's so much good with all these things, Lord, Mm -hmm. and there's so many ways that, like every single good thing that you have given us, Lord, us humans have found a way to misuse it. Mm -hmm. So, Father God, I pray for the ladies out there. For those who um, have educated themselves, I pray that um, as moms, they they won't let people act like they they are uneducated lord and uh even if they have not gone through formal education lord i pray that they would recognize it themselves as a child of god and made in the image of god that they do have access to things like the like logic lord that they can exercise and if someone is saying even no matter how smart something sounds if someone's saying something that's illogical it's illogical and you don't need a phd to figure that out And I pray, God, that you would just um, empower them to the point of where they would not be bullied, but it would not be empowered to the point of where we become the bullies, Lord, Mm -hmm. because I pray that we would never become the bullies with whatever we know or with picking apart uh, flaws and what other people say. I pray that we would be constantly looking for the person underneath the question, the hurting person, um, the... uh, just just underneath, Lord, we would be searching for the spiritual reality of what is going on with the person at all times, Father God, mm-hmm. so that we would know how to love them as you love them, that we would see them as you see them. But at the same time, Lord, I just want to end with that, um, I think it's a C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis quote, Lord, that uh, good philosophy must exist if for no other reason than bad philosophy must be answered. Mm-hmm. That part of our jobs, Lord, of um, having dominion in this earth, Lord, is to exercise our minds to the fullest capacity, Lord. And I pray that the women that are listening and the men too, God would not shirk from that and that they would feel empowered and emboldened in order to um, pursue that aspect of loving you with all their minds. Yes. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. Have you been stumped by your kids already? Or maybe you have a nagging question of your own that you think would make a good podcast. Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we will do our best. 
Rise up, ladies. Rise up, mama bears. We are all in this together.